Perez. Walter makes a run ahead of it. Burkamp suddenly changed pace through the centre. It's Burkamp! That's magnificent! The move, and then this, which left Dabby's ass totally stranded. Hello, and welcome to Burkamp Wonderland. We are still an Arsenal podcast, and I have got the show playing in one of my ears. There you go, that's got rid of it. With me tonight is the international man of mystery, the, the, the last remaining member of ABW who actually started the podcast with me, so he gets a, a kind of season pass to only turn up once a year. But when he does turn up, we are extremely grateful. It's the one and only Jeff Arsenal. How are you doing, Treacle? Daniel, how the devil are you, the devil are you <laughs> sir? You okay? You good? <laughs> I am good at for I, I told I, you I'm a diet. I don't cool. know who's going to go first, either than me or you. You know, because we've, I think we've we should lost do a lot and Louise years. And, we should do a Thelma and Louise and go together off the edge of a cliff. Sounds, <laughs> Theoretically sounds, speak, podcastly speaking. <laughs> sounds good to me, Dan. Sounds good to me. It's great to be back. Anyway, I've got to be on more often. You, you certainly do. Since I've put the rest of them all on gardening leave, it's only you, me, Carl and Femi and Nick, and that's it. And we've had to get some new ones in. So we've got James and we've got Craig and uh, and uh, Melvin Marks uh, we have on it a few times. Oh, that's another person I like having on. Um, yeah, so, and the other person is, you may well see, it's, it's the Femster. Uh, uh, he's been to the game, so we should be milking him for lots of details. How are you doing, Femi? The kids behave him. Yeah, all good, all good. I'm sitting here watching Nigeria winning a penalty shootout. Jolly, happy. Oh, beating South <laughs> Africa. Who has the other semi final been about. played yet? No, no, no. It's just about to start. But yeah, just about. It's a crazy, another crazy game at AFCON. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that's keep, been some. Keep us, keep us informed, Fem. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If I watch it's... the other game. I mean, you look at the uh, the Asia Cup. I know it's something we don't really talk about. But the Asia Cup final is is Jordan v Qatar. So, I mean, how did that happen? I mean, how South Korea didn't get through, Japan didn't, Australia, all the big teams, and those two have got through. So, you know, Qatari money v Jordan having no money. Qatar, just put all your money on Qatar to win that, about 8-0, because that is going to happen. <laughs> well, they're, the, they're the reigning champions, believe it or not. I know. I saw it when I um, <laughs> I went back and I looked. I thought, well, I wonder how far Qatar have got in previous ones. They won the last one. Oh yeah, that was uh, that was more more brown envelopes, dodgy deals, plenty of villas in, uh, on the coast of Qatar, um, which is nice. Anyway, so uh, let's say hello to some of the people in the chat. BX Gunner is there. Good evening, everybody. Afternoon. Good evening. Uh, Paul Nell, not Neil, is there. Phil Macca. Uh, hello, Mr. Femi and Mr. Danny. Don't forget about Jeff. Oh, he, here he goes. And Mr. Jeff didn't see you there. Jeff is always incognito. Uh, Avon, not Teddington, is there. Boy 10, fashionably late evening. <laughs> uh, Femi was sorting dinner out for the kids. So there you go. That's uh, He could have <laughs> left them Yeah, he could have left them starving, like some of you scumbags would have done. Uh, Nick is there, who didn't reply about whether he was available for tonight's show. Scumbag. Fergus is there. Um, Fergus, who is the uh, the cheerleader of the Arsenal crowd, and um, they had him on his their, their shoulders. I mean, Fergus, you should know better than that. You're a grown man of your mid-50s now, and you had them lot lifting you up in on the concourse and shaking you around in the air. I don't know. Uh, Phil says, oh, Mr. Nick, 
How's Charlie talking to each other? Ah, oh, Brady's banana is there. Rudy Rastos has turned up on time this time. Lovely. Oh, a name I've not seen before. Halavu Harivu. Good. Imagine if I got that right. Yeah, feel free to put your name phonetically in the chat and I'll have a go. Uh, Travis is there. Howdy, lads. Lovely job. If there's anybody watching on Twitter, StreamYard now lets your tweets come straight to our little um, information bar here. And you can chat on Twitter underneath the, the video that you're watching. So, yeah, get involved in the chat there. And uh, we should read some of them out. Uh, Fergus says, I didn't have a choice. I was just lifted. Behave yourself, Fergus. You loved every second of it. Uh, Nick says, I'm feeling better now. Uh, yeah, Nick missed the game at the, the post game at the weekend because he, he had a 54 degree temperature. I'm calling bullshit on that. He just could be bothered to turn up. So <laughs> here we go. Right. We're going to do maybe an hour, an hour and 10 minutes. There's not much more to go. Oh, here we go. Another one I've not seen before Ant CL 1082. What a fine year 1082 was. SK on YouTube. Hello. That's a name I've not seen before. Um, nice to see new people there. We will disappoint you, no doubt. Right. Uh, first thing we want to talk about, Femi, it's been reported in the media and on Twitter and in our WhatsApp group by you that it was uh, one of the best atmospheres they've ever had at the game when we smashed Liverpool 3-1. Tell us a little bit about the atmosphere and, and how things have been changing because it's not been too good this season, has it? Um, yeah, I, I mean, I heard the complaints about this season, but it's, it's a bit strange because I, I think it's the type of football that we play, um, that, that drives the atmosphere. Because if you look at, for example, uh, Manchester City, the type of football they play is, is very similar and it's very controlled teams just pack the box. There's, there's not much excitement in that, is there? Whereas last season, especially the first half of the season, teams were just didn't care they didn't respect us so they'll come at us so it makes for really thrilling games you know sometimes we had sort of end-to-end -end games whereas now when you've got 70 percent of the ball trying to break a defense down it's it's really hard for a crowd to to get into that attack versus defense stuff but mm. i think what i would say about sunday is uh, the club did a really good job in the morning with that i don't know if you guys saw it the hype video in the morning that they did the no. video with Arteta and the team training at the Emirates, and then they bled it into scenes, you know, from last season, celebrations with the fans and getting the fans involved. Lots of clips of the fans. There was even a clip of um, a few podcasters as well celebrating in the crowd. You know, so it was, it was about a two and a half minute video that came out about 8 a.m. in the morning. As soon as I saw that i was just like yep yeah, i'm ready for today and i'm pretty sure a lot of people saw that and thought yep yeah, that that hyped the game up and then to make it even smarter they always play a video right before the players come out and usually it's a video of you know it, it it's a mixture mainly of like the old players the michael tom you, you you've seen it probably danny the michael thomas goal uh the brady gold just before the players come out, but they replaced that this time with that same video that they had played in the morning. And I think that again drove the atmosphere, but I think everyone was just in there up for it uh, and just, just wanted to make it. We all knew that it was an important game. Let's, let's not kid ourselves. We all knew if we lost, even if we drew probably, let's be honest, we, it's very hard to catch up that many points, especially if you're chasing two teams. Mm. So, 
I think that that kind of drove the atmosphere. But no, the atmosphere was electric. It was it was really really just and the the best part of it is I didn't hear the Liverpool fans at all. Any time a single bit of Liverpool, Liverpool, all that stuff, there was just whistles and boos, and it drowned that noise out. It was that that that's what impressed me most. Actually, they drowned out any noise from the away fans, which is unheard of, to be honest. Jeff, what was your excuse for not being there? Because you were usually there every single game of the season of the home games, aren't you? Yeah. Well, you know, we go skiing tw- twice. We go twice over the season of skiing. We go to the same place in Austria. Um, yeah. And we always book it as soon as we come back. So I didn't – I don't know who we're playing when I book it. Yeah. And unfortunately, it was a Liverpool game for last weekend. So we was away in Austria skiing. But I was lucky enough in the hotel. They had a big TV and they had the, the German sky. And funny enough, and um, a friend of the pod, Rafa Honogstein, he was – Indeed. He, he was um, – <laughs> <laughs> is he, That's is one he for the long-term fans. They, we used to have top um, top journalists on, we, and we until did. we didn't. <laughs> but it, Rafa, was it was did, didn't we didn't we record where we didn't we don't talk, we don't talk about that Jeff that, that, we, don't, we move on from that that's that's in the past okay. forgetting to press record when you have Raphael Honigstein on yeah, and then an having an half. argument with him because I said that because Steve told me Steve been living in Poland. Uh, our, our mate Steve is no longer with us. Said uh, Lucas Podolski um, sees himself as Polish, although German plays for Germany, brought up in Germany. Yeah. His family are Polish, and Steve said no, he he, he sees himself as Polish because because uh, of his roots. And I told Rafi, and Rafi said no, that's not right. I said it is right, and he said it's not right, and he got the ump with me. And then when uh, when Lucas um, went to retire, he decided to he's going to have a few seasons back in the motherland of Poland because that's always where he sees his heart. So if you're watching Rafi. I think Steve was right. Anyway, Jeff, you were you were. Saying... I, I don't think I don't think Rafi's watching. I've got to be honest with you. Uh, but anyway, yeah. So yeah, I, I mean, I, I I totally enjoyed the game. I think it was fantastic from start from start to finish. Uh, you don't need to look. I mean, the atmosphere sounded like it, it was brilliant. But you, you, like Liverpool at home, you don't ever need to get up for that. Especially, obviously, they was top of the league, and you know we still we was chasing at that particular time. Um, but, and the game, the game was brilliant, you know, all the way through. It was, I think we bossed the game, didn't we? And, you know, there was only really, honestly, I think it could, it could have been, it could have been, it could have been four or five if we would if we'd, have, uh, you know, Saka had a chance, didn't he? We had a few chances. And, uh, but all the play, I think we was so good. Every, every one of the players out, it was, you know, done their job on the day. Yeah, indeed, Femi. You mentioned about uh, podcasters being in the uh, in the videos. Well, look at that retrograde there. There he is, is uh, Fergus. He's uh, a mate of ours. He does the um, the Guns and Yellow Ribbons podcast, and this is what I was on about. The man was recently fifty four years of age. He's been held up like that. You don't treat virtual pensioners like that. Now, Fergus, who, who was uh, whose shoulders were you on? Because uh, you look like you're having a whale of a time there, and I'm sure Fergus will let us know. And people, if you've not heard of Fergus's podcast, there you go. I've put it in the chat. There's a link to their YouTube. Go and give it a subscribe. They're just over 1,100 subscribers now. Now, Fergus says he's 53. Yeah, whatever. 
Um, yeah, so go and subscribe to their channel because they're mates of ours and we go on each other's podcasts. That's Trevor and Fergus. And then you've got the bloke from Scandinavia and they have got, um, uh, I think, a bloke called Dan as well. I should remember this. I mean, I, I do watch it. Uh, and then Fergus says, half the North Bank. Well, imagine if I was there, how many of them it would need to lift me up? It would be a lot more than than half the uh, half the North Bank. Um, yeah, for, um, I nearly called you Fergus then, Femi. You both begin with a fur, so I wasn't too far out. Um, talk about the game itself. How did you see it going? Because for me, for Liverpool to have one shot on target when apparently they're the greatest team in the in the Premier League, so they think, their manager has said recently before the game that he's retiring, I mean, he's leaving Liverpool, and uh, maybe to give them come, come some kind of spark of inspiration, we've got to do it for the manager. Did they look like they were doing anything for the manager apart from having uh, an XG of 0.15, whatever it was? Um, I mean... It's not the first time we've done this, is it? We, I mean, we did this to Man City as well. Man City had one shot in that game, I think, and it was in the third minute, I want to say, um, from a corner. They did not open us up from open play either. So that's two big games. Um, even the Tottenham game that we drew 2-2, their XG, I'm pretty sure, you know, we kind of gave them a couple of goals in that game. Um, so... Uh, we've mastered the art of not giving teams chances, I think, or giving the, the, as little away as possible. I think the next step might be to master the art of not throwing the ball in our own net, mm. which we're going to do on a regular basis. Nearly every goal we concede is... I know people say all goals are avoidable, but it seems to come from from rain moments from one of our players or a couple of our players we don't give away a lot of chances in games, to be fair. Um, even the games that we lost against, I think Fulham was probably our worst performance of the season, I, w- I would say. Yeah. Um, maybe Lon- Lon's away, maybe. I would I would say that pretty similar to the Fulham game, Fulham performance. Apart from that, you know, we've been in every single game. And the, the reason why we've been in every single game is because we don't give up a lot of chances. And, you know, there's so many factors to that. You know, not you would think it's just a Declan Rice thing, but it's the, the way that Arteta's improved us. You know, he has to take a lot of credit for. Um, he started when 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 he first joined, building from the defense, didn't he? He built the defense. Yeah. People were complaining that we didn't score a lot of goals. Oh, we don't create a lot. We don't. Obama Yang doesn't get more than one chance a game. Remember all those days? <laughs> and now we see that the benefits of that, where now we can now start focusing on building forward, I think, I would say. You are right, though, Fem, because there's not, not, and there's not a lot of teams that, that um, create their own chances against us. We seem to be putting the ball into our own net, more or less. Uh, and that's what that's what happened at the weekend. But you know, the teams that come to play against us and play open football, we dominate. We've dominated all of them, all of the teams that have come and want to try and play open football. We do struggle against the ones that play that low block and and the, all those anti football teams that that come. We do struggle uh, against those and. Uh, you know, they're the ones that seem to be tripping us up of late, the West Ham, the Fulhams, you know, and a, and a two or three games last season. So we just got to try and master 
uh, get him around those. The thing is, when, when you play against them in low block teams and those anti football teams, you, you must score first. That's the that's the that's the main thing. Because if you don't score first, you know it, it's difficult, mm. to, especially if we're at home, because fans do get frustrated. You can't help it, but it's not Arsenal. Arsenal want to play the game like they're playing and want to play open football. But when you got th- th- those teams that just block up and they've got nine men in the uh, in the penalty area, uh, uh, you know, and they're giving us, they're making us play that horseshoe and it's just difficult. It's a little bit laborious. It's hard to watch because, yeah, I can feel myself getting heated every mm-hmm. single minute that goes by. We keep on, we, we're, we're playing the game in their half and their third you know, and it's so frustrating if you can't put the ball in the net. Um, but when you when you play against the, these top teams and they want to come and have a have a slugfest with us, we've been putting them to sleep. You know, so we just hope we can we can we can do the business against these these uh, teams that just just want to bore the pants off of everybody. I've got another one of my wonderful Google sheets here that I'll, I'll share with you. And if I put our slot down the bottom, does it make any difference uh, at the top? This is all of Arteta's games. And the order of teams on the left is how they finished last season. So obviously we finished second, so we're not in there. And going back, although the five seasons that Arteta has been in charge, there has been no season where he we have beaten Liverpool and Man City in, in the same season, I don't think. Um yeah, probably because no. they don't beat City. They beat us every game, usually. Yeah. I mean, if you look at that top one for people at home on the bus and having a poo and walking the dog, um, home and away, this season we beat them. Last season, lost both. Season before that, lost both. Season before that, lost both. And the season before that, Arteta was only in charge of the away game. So we lost all of those. And then Man United, and they're not really much in Newcastle much. But then you go down to the Liverpool one, and this season, beat them at home, drew away. Last season, beat them at home, drew away. And then we lost the four games before that. So this is just my own little thing I do, just to see how we're doing against certain teams and how things are working out. So looking at that, Fem, how the fact that we have beaten, um, not not beaten, let's look at the points-wise. Out of three games, a possible nine points, we got seven points out of playing Liverpool twice and Man City once. Normally, if you'd have said that before the season started, you think, well, Arsenal were going to win the league, aren't they? Because you don't, we don't have a habit of beating Man City ever or getting that many points off of Liverpool uh, apart from last season. So it is a, it's a miraculous turnaround of uh, events. Because you look at the previous seasons, the teams that finish at the top, all the results are nearly red. The only ones we've had luck against is Newcastle because they've only been a decent team, I don't know, for the last 18 months. And now they seem to have fallen on their ass, haven't they? Mm-hmm. And as you're saying that, I'm looking at what the difference is as well. Look at I'm looking at the... Um... Arsenal Man City game. City had fifty-one percent possession, one shot on target. Liverpool had fifty-seven percent percent possession to us, one shot on target. So that's the two best teams in the league, probably two best teams in Europe. And we've only let in, two, we've only allowed two shots, but we've given away a lot of possession to them, which goes to what Jeff was just saying about letting teams teams that come on to us are, are, are quite made for us. So. I think we've got a. It's really good. We've got a crack that Etihad and, and Anf- um, Anfield yeah. at some point. Hopefully, we can get something at the Etihad this season. You know, it, like I said, the teams are not blowing us away, so I don't see us going there and getting absolutely turned over like we, no. like you just showed us that we usually do. So hmm. that's 
obviously we still got some big away games uh, this season. Still got some massive away games, but I fancy us at home to beat most teams. And and what what's interesting is I think that points to something in the Champions League. I would say that we could have a good chance in the Champions League with our home form against teams that will come on to us in the Champions League. The, the further you go, the game will be quite cagey depending on the away fixture, but the further you go, you'll meet more teams that do want to dominate you. And I think, I mean, look at the way we played. I, I don't think there's many better teams than Liverpool and Man City in Europe, to, I'll be honest yep. with you. And if we're doing, you know, if we can keep up that form and keep our freshness, keep our players, you know, ticking over in that period, I don't see why we cannot fancy ourselves against most teams. I think City away is probably our toughest game left this season. The rest of them, it's, it's up to us how we manage the games, really. We live, they live, going back to Liverpool, I mean, we played them three times this season. Won one, drew one and lost one, haven't we, I think. Is that mm. right? Am I correct? Yeah. It's true. Yeah, lost but in, cup, in all yeah. of those three games, I think we was much the better team in all of them. But the, the previous two games, with a draw at Anfield and the, the loss at home in the FA Cup, we just couldn't put the ball in the net. And you know, I mean, could you, I know we keep on saying it. You know, if we could, if we could find a striker that just can put the ball in the net and and you know, nick a one nil or something like that, or you know, just gets us in front. Because once we do go in front, teams got to open up on you, and that that's I think we could put them to the sword easier than 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 normal. You know, um, so it, I mean, it, can, it was only a little while ago, Dan, that we was under the the the, the back end of the Wenger years. We couldn't never beat any of those top four clubs that we were playing against. We we struggled to to especially away from home. Uh, a record away from home in the in the last maybe five or six years of the Wenger years, we just could not win at Man City. We couldn't win at Liverpool. We couldn't win at Man United. You know, and that was one of our big things that we used to say all the time. We might we might um, beat one of them at home, but you know, over the two games where you you're dropping five or five points or something like that um that used to cost us but this year so far it's it's all looking good and i do when we do go to um man city i, I fancy us i really do i fancy we could at least come away for, with a point and maybe we can turn them over i don't see no reason why not Travis says, shame we dropped a point uh, a point to Villa and Newcastle because if you'd have told me a few seasons ago we'd take four points from Liverpool and at least three points from Man City, I'd take that in a flash. Rudy says what we're all thinking. Love that we managed to beat Kloppo, Kloppo's team in his last season with them, which is lovely. And what else have we got? Uh, Paul Nell says, there is a big change in the hierarchy. We don't get embarrassed anymore. Avon says, spot on, Jeff. We were the better side in all three games. And I'm risking it all here by reading out what Phil says. Wenger could never learn from our mistakes in his latter years, sadly. Right, Phil, don't, no more messages, Phil. End it on a high for this pod because uh, you've got two questions saved. And, uh, yeah, that's a good good, good one. Uh, you just start talking about his bowel movements like I do next. It's a terrible state of affairs. Jeff, you were starting to talk there a little bit about uh, we needed a striker. So the next thing I've got to talk about is, is Havertz up front the answer to our issues? I mean, you look at him, he doesn't take any prisoners, does he? And he's not as afraid of getting stuck in. And also, 
he play, he likes to play the dark arts, doesn't he? He was rolling around like like a uh, like a circus tumbler at times, wasn't he? Mm, I like him. There's a lot of people that don't like him at Arsenal. They don't they don't think he's worth the money. But you've got to forget the money. We haven't paid it, right? And uh, you know, it's it's what he does. He keeps the ball very well. He's he he has he's give us that option of, of sticking him up top. Uh, he, you know, he's a he's a big lad gets his shoulders out he can hold the ball up and he's decent on the ball and uh, you know and he does he, he he defends for us as well and he get, does give us that that option and you saw that against against Liverpool at the weekend I think he had a, I think he had a terrific game I really do um, yeah I'm I'm one of those who's not his biggest fan but I will admit he had a good game on Sunday and I think to be fair I think up front the few games he's played up front for us, I think he's been decent. Mm. He's, he's he's shooting and he's striking of the ball is pretty. Needs a lot of work, but he's like you're saying, he's an absolute constant nuisance to centre backs. He he, he stressed Canate. I think brilliant, by the way. I don't, you know, he he handled. He basically handled Martinelli and Havertz, hoovering up the ball all the time. But it was just constant, just not stop from. And and what I loved about his performance on on Sunday was he lasted the full game, and he didn't actually play fully up front. He he played like a withdrawn striker role, and mm. he just caused Liverpool problems and up front. His closing down was really good. He's um play um, and then another game like um the the FA Cup game he played more of a target man role in that game so he he does have different strings and I, personally i think he's he's better up front for us the way that we play because that third midfielder i think has been a bit of an issue because he doesn't get involved a lot he, he's more of a runner running to get in a box and i think we need someone who can get involved who can have more touches like like granite jacker did I think we need that. I think that's one of the things that we're missing in that third midfielder. Although Havertz gets in the box, we it's just something missing there. I think that whole, you know what, sometimes a manager can stumble upon something, can't he? I think even yeah. a great manager like Pep Guardiola, he stumbled upon that John Stones pushing up from centre-back thing. Yeah. In, yeah. I think it was I think it was a game against us at the Emirates in the second half where they didn't have a left-back. And they were Bernardo at left back destroyed by um, Saka in the first half. They changed it up, and then they never looked back. Uh, you know, they went mm. on to win the Champions League playing that formation. We yeah. played a formation on Saturday, on Sunday, that had Jorginho and Rice and Havertz up front. Why not go with it? You know, it, it, it worked. You know, stick with it as long as until it breaks. You know, it, it, you can stumble upon things in a season, and and it might just work. Yeah, you're you're 100 right. I mean, let's talk about Georgie for a little while. Um, I, I, he's all he's a baller. I knew he was a baller. Um, even at Chelsea, I could see he was he was a, he was a top player. The way he keeps hold of the ball and looks after the ball. Um, and he's he's always willing to accept the ball. He could have two or three people around him, and he'll accept the ball. He's always looking for the ball, and I just think he was different class at the weekend. And and that that setup that we had there, um, 
he's just suited. The only thing that does worry me is we, we're never going to get three games a week out of him, you know. And I do think that um, Mikel is going to just hold him up for the big games. I think he'll play in the Champions League in that role. I think he'll play, you know, the Man City, the United's away, Tottenham's, because he's, he's just so experienced. He's won everything. He's been around the block a few times. And I know um, he's not the quickest across the grass, but he does make up for it. He does make up for it in in his his experience and his play, and you know he's got an, he's got pictures in his head when he does go over the over the halfway line. He you know he's got them pictures in his he can he can thread a ball through the lines. You know, I think he's a top top player. And if we could, I'd, I'd extend him. I'd extend his contracts, and I put it on Twitter the other day. That I, I think there's a coach in him as well. I really do, and um, I I would I would after his career finishes at Arsenal, I would keep him on as a coach and, and you know, to maybe take over from Mikel or whoever uh, afterwards because I, I, I rate him. I rate him big. I'm just looking yeah, at I James Pay. Uh, 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 I put an apology in a, in a ABW group because I, I wasn't, uh, again, <laughs> I just couldn't wipe that Chelsea stench off of him, to be honest with you. Um but no, seriously, he's he's only made one mistake this season, which was against Spurs. Every other game that he's played, I think he's been absolutely brilliant. He came on against... Mm. Um, who did we play at home and we beat them 5-0 like, last week? Um, Sheffield United. Forest. 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 He came on against Forest. I think it was... Abs- I said to someone, I said he only came on for about 15 minutes. I said he's probably man of the match here. And again on Sunday, clear man of the match. And what I love about this... Everything that he's deficient at, Declan Rice is great at. And everything that Declan isn't that great at, Jorginho is great at. So Jorginho will spread the ball neatly, will move the ball one-time passes, will find the wide areas really quickly with his ball. Whereas, you know, Declan is, is good at playing balls, but he's not as incisive as, you know, Jorginho or party. But one thing Declan Rice does is hoovers up the ground Mm. steams into tackles, rarely gets a yellow card, nicks balls off of people. So he covers everything that Jorginho's deficient at. And another thing that was really interesting on Saturday is there were times where Jorginho was pressing inside of the Liverpool box, inside the Liverpool penalty areas from goal kicks. No, it's it's just that nice balance of having two proper central midfielders that you cannot, yeah. you, you, like I said, you can just stumble on something that just works for you at some point. You know, we've, we, yeah. it can work. And, you know, we've had our two central midfielder stuff. We've had our Georgie, um Petit and Vieira or, or Sesk and Vieira. Yeah. You know, we've had our twos and we can, we, we could just do it with a two, you know, and just make it work for the rest of the season. You know, I know Arteta's got his visions and his four three threes, but if you find something that works, you know, like you're saying, he might not be able to play two games, but you know, where you you know you're going to play teams up, like we played against Forest away, just sit back and do put an Emil Smith role, put a um, do something, put a Vieira in there whenever he's fit. You know, it's it's just good to have these options, you know. Yeah. It's true. They look very, they look very stable, didn't they? The two of them, like you say, when one was going forward, the other one was making sure he was, he was. And, and Declan Rice, he's unbelievable. Some of them tackles that he puts in, 
uh, and they're clean. The way the way he comes away with a ball, you know, it's just just amazing. On the screen at the moment, we have got what we think is Arteta's favourite lineup: Raya, White, Zinchenko, Saliba, Gabriel. I think that is uh, for every game until um, Tomiyasu is back, and then long term it will be Timber. And then we've got the front three, Martinelli, Jesus, Saka, as we all know. And then you've got the, the midfield three of Havertz, left eight, Odegaard, right eight, and Rice at the, the, the whatever, I don't know what number you call that, a four, I suppose. I mean, I, I like to think that as a, a four because centre-back should always be five and six, but it doesn't do that for us. Now, we saw in the last game that um, Jesus wasn't in it and Havertz played up front. And so Jorginho was playing in the Havertz position. So, Jeff, looking at that, where do you think, after the success against Liverpool, do you think Arteta's got the sense to stick with that? So where would you play Havertz in, in, the, in the formation for the West Ham game? Because West Ham have beat, um, beat us 2-0 in the league and knocked us out of the League Cup, haven't they? So they've beaten us twice this season. So yeah. what would you do with that formation? No, I'd, 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 you know what? I'd probably play the same team that played the other day against Liverpool. I'd stick yeah. Havertz, up, Havertz up top. Because um, they're going to do the same thing again, like they did against us. Just clog up the all, all around the penalty area and make us do the horse shape and put crosses in. And what Havertz does for you, he does give you that. He does give you that um, that chance at the back post if he comes in late, you know, or you know, he, he just gives us that option. Whereas Jesus, I love him. He's a great player, fantastic player on the ball, his technique and everything else, but. I don't know. He's just, he just he gets in front of goal, and he, he you need to just calm down, you know. Instead of just he, he, he's it's great when he does all his trickery outside the box, and it's all very very fast because he's got to be like that. That, but once you get in front of the goal, you've got to calm yourself down, and you know then you score a lot more goals. So it gives us a different option. Havertz, I think we're going to need more control in the um, and, and cuter control in the, in the middle of the park. And I think Jorginho will give us that. Hopefully he's not injured. Um, or, you know, he hasn't, you know, he can, he can get into the game. It's Sunday, I think, isn't it? Anyway, so we've got half a chance. You get an extra day. So, um, I think I'd go in, I'd go unchanged if everyone's fit for now. How about you, Femi? Would you um, go along with what Jeff said? Are you happy with uh, the starting lineup against Liverpool to play against West Ham, and maybe looking into the future, play that that lineup? Um, yeah, I mean, obviously, the the biggest dilemma you've got is Jesus or Havertz. Um, I still believe in Gabriel Jesus. To be honest, like I, I wouldn't, yeah. I wouldn't drop him. I, I I'd probably just go with the same team, but put Jesus in for Havertz and have Havertz as an option off the bench to replace Jesus. Um, I think Gabriel Jesus can do, do the the nagging, the, the centre-backs thing. He can do that really, really well. He says he's the best defensive forward in the league, you know, or that he's ever seen. So he, he can do that, but it's just those getting those chances. He needs to play between the lines more, you know. I, I was listening to something the other day where they were talking about um, Ollie Watkins, yeah. what Emery yeah. Emery told him was about um, staying in between the lines more, yeah. so not not drifting as wide. And he, look how many goals he he's scoring. He's a very similar player. Villa play with that one striker, so you, you, I think we can do the same thing with it, especially in the Champions League. I mean, his record in the Champions League is, is outstanding. You know, he's he's got like nearly a goal a game in the Champions yeah. League. Yeah, indeed, it's going to be interesting to see whoever plays where. Um, Jeff, looking at the league table at the moment, 
I'm going to say the immortal words. Is it back on? Um, oh, well, you know, why not? Why not? I mean, if you look at that table now, it's only a couple of points, all right? Game, game in hand for Man City. I've got to be honest with you. I can't see anyone. I can't see anyone past Man City, mate. It's just they got they got so much strength in depth, and they've been there so many times. Um, they've got the players. They've got you know they've got two sides that are well capable of winning the league. To be honest with you, I do think we'll overcome Liverpool. Um, it'd be interesting to see now um, how they react to a defeat. Um, and obviously the the, the clock thing because it could go either way. They can all, all pull together and you know really have a go for it on the strength of knowing that it's his last season, or they could lose a little bit of heart, you know. So um, it's be interesting to see how they get on. But I do listen. It's going to be. I think it's going to be between the three of us. And I, I think if we can. We're, get, we're getting all our players back now. Um, hopefully, we've had our bad run, you know, of a couple of defeats. Hopefully, we can go on there. But West Ham at the weekend is very, very important. You know, that's as, as important as the Liverpool game. We need to go there and, and make a stand. They've beat us twice this season. We need to go there and beat them and beat them well. And we should beat them well. We need to score early, and we can, if we score early, we could go. With, we, it won't surprise me. We're going to win three or four nil, but they're going to be there to frustrate us. And but it's very important. We win that game, and you just got to take one game at a time. If you win that game, then you know you you, you keep that confidence up. Yeah, fair. Yeah, I, I, I think um, the big game is in one month's time. Man City go to Liverpool. Yeah, so, I was just about to say, I'm looking at the fixtures. We we play City. I mean, you're, you're talking about in one month time. Yeah, we play City a couple of weeks after that as well. <laughs> so it's it's all to play for, you know. I I, I think everyone just expects um, Man City to just go on an absolute run every single time. But I just don't. Maybe one year they just won't. Maybe one year they just won't. Maybe this might be the year. Maybe Liverpool will beat them at Anfield and it will rock them a little bit. You know, I'm looking... I thought Liverpool had all their big fixtures at Anfield still, but they've still got to go to United, which you just never know, do you? United are... I mean, they, as you saw in your graphics there, they're games, and they're still in play, which is just means they either lose or they win. So you never know what they're going to serve. At Anfield, got to play Spurs. It's sort of Villa, you know. So you, you just never know. And then Man City, you know, if Liverpool rock them, you know, we you never know what could happen. So let, let's see and let's see what happens. But it's not every season that they're going to go on that run. I know we're all seeing it now. We're all fearful, but it's not every season that they're going to do that. So let's see what happens. Yeah, talking about that in uh, Man City's run of fixtures in the beginning uh, in March: Man City, Man United, Liverpool, Man City, Brighton, Man City, Man City, Arsenal, and then Man City, Villa. I mean, that is five really. I mean, Brighton are terrible away from home, but at home they're they're really really good. That is going to be a really tough set of fixtures, and we all know that um, Haaland's got a niggle, 
and uh, De Bruyne is coming back from injury and that is really easy as we know constantly to get another injury straight after you've had an injury because those players are all going to be in for it Jeff uh, they're all going to get a kick in because people hate them and want to bring them down and we've seen now that ha that Haaland and De Bruyne are um, injurable they're they're not machines and especially yeah. Haaland I mean the bloke hadn't missed a game in about 10 years and now all that time he's had out and he played the other day, and uh, I'm not sure he's back to the hat-trick every game that he was at the beginning of last season. So it gives us hope, doesn't it? It does give us hope. I mean, I'm not sure the, the situation with Thomas Partey, uh, how oh, he's no. getting on. Um, I don't know. Uh, you know, it would be nice if we could get him back for the last 15 games to, to you know, get him, get him involved and uh, to give us a little bit of a push. What we really need is a little bit of luck and they lose maybe Rodri. I'd take, if there was one mm. player that I'd like them to lose is Rodri because they, they don't look the same. The same t I, heard a, I heard a stat yesterday, I think. He, he's won 58 games on the trot for Manchester City. Some mad, mad. Every time he's played, he's won fifty-eight. He's won fifty-eight out of fifty-eight, which is which is a which is a crazy stat. But it don't surprise me because he, he is world class. We could do with a little KDB hamstring tweak <laughs> as well. Yeah. He, since he's yeah. come back, he's been phenomenal. I mean, yeah. yeah. You forget how good he is. You know, you just think, oh yeah, you know, he's so good. He, he's literally changed. Season, so we could do with a, but like you said, the party stuff. I, I mean, uh, when Arteta said it, it could be weeks, it could be, <laughs> it could yeah, be days, it could be weeks. Good. Like, my goodness, what's what's happened there? So yeah, I wouldn't. Yeah. I'd, I'd just discount him so much. Um, yeah, let's let's see what we can, what we can get away with. But yeah, I, I, the next next few games are really really important. I think I, I see why. They came back from Dubai saying every game is is a must win, you know, yeah, because you've got two teams that refuse to lose. There's the fixtures for the next two weekend for, for fixtures, Femi. Um, for people at home, it's Man City against Everton, Liverpool against Burnley, and then we are away at West Ham. And the set of fixtures after that, uh, Liverpool go to Brentford, and Man City are playing Chelsea. I mean, that no Chelsea, they'll win that 6 0. And then we are away <laughs> at Burnley. So looking at those for me, how does it make you feel about the next uh, couple of games? Yeah, see, the, the Saturday fixtures for them, Everton away to Man City, that's a gimme. And Burnley yeah. are pretty awful, to be honest with you. I mean, I've, I've watched them a couple of time, yeah. times. They've not. So we've, we've definitely got, got, we've got a, the toughest game there. We've got a tougher we? game there, yeah. We have. And we all, we do have beaten us twice this season without scoring. Um, and then the next weekend, Brentford are so hit and miss. You never know yeah. what you get from them, to be honest with you. And Chelsea, I mean, <laughs> who, knows, who knows with Chelsea <laughs> as well? I mean, they're winning now, but they were pretty. I watched their game on Sunday. They were pretty pathetic, to be honest with you. And once they let in a goal, they, they just seem to fall apart. They just crumble. So uh, Man City got two home games. That's quite interesting. How do you feel, Jeff? I think, they, I, I think they've got Brentford after that again, actually. Um, they, yeah, they've got a game in hand. Game in hand. It's on the midweek. Yeah, There's two midweek games. games. Well, Man City, Man, yeah, Man City, it's a 12.30 kickoff against Everton. Everton will be a little bit buoyant because obviously it's a big game um, for them. 
They're still trying to get out of the relegation trouble, but I can't. I can't, I can't honestly. I mean, Sean Dyche, he might set them up. Uh, try and, you know, just try and scrape through. But I can't see. I can't see uh, Everton getting any anything from there. The Liverpool versus Burnley, I think that's a gimme, you know. Anfield, but again, you never know. You never know. These these are the teams. I mean, they've done it to us, Fulham and West Ham. You know, at home. Um, so you, you never know. Uh, we have definitely got the most difficult game of of, of, of this weekend's uh, games for sure. West Ham away, um, Burnley away. We should go and spin them over, shouldn't we? Really, if we if we got, we, you just got to compete. As, as long as you look at it, you know, they say if you've got to earn the right to play against these teams, and then your mm. quality should come through in the end. And a team like Burnley, you know, just stay tight, keep you know all, all the be all the play will be in their half of the football pitch, and you know we should we should spin them over. So, you know, it's game for game. You never know what's going to happen. Very true. So, yeah, I think you're both right there. Hopefully a win against West Ham, four wins in a row, and confidence breeds wins and wins breed confidence. So it's lovely to see. Uh, let's talk I do a little think bit. We're, we're going to need – sorry, just quickly. We're going to need go – We're going to need to go on an eight, nine-game winning streak at some point to win the league. Yeah, or sure. to keep up at least. We, 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 and this is our perfect opportunity to do that before the Champions League restarts. You know, got a couple of one one a game weeks left before we go into the serious end. And then obviously in March, what you've got also got to account for is international breaks coming back and players mm. flying all around the world and the, the 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 lottery that that becomes as well. When your players come back, you don't know what, what shape they're coming back in. I was just going to talk about the Champions League, Femi. This is, um, we've got Porto coming up. First game is the 21st of February at Porto. Um, how do you see us getting on in the Champions League? Because we played Porto a couple of seasons ago and it didn't end well for us. And looking at the strength of the other teams that are in the Champions League, other than other than Man City, I don't see a single team there that are any good, um, apart from maybe Real Madrid. Because Bayern Munich are even struggling this season, aren't they? Yeah, I mean, when you look at that you, you, on paper, but I think for us, I think the the most important thing is that we get through this Porto game because our record in Europe has not been too good in knockout games under Arteta, mm. and we need to we need to just forget about every other fixture or any other team that's in there and just focus on this game. You know, we we're in a good shape. The way that we play is geared up personally to the Champions League I think we can we can really re- but the problem is the Champions League if you we saw it last season we went away and won didn't we 1-0 in Sporting once you let in a goal at home 1-1 it just you become nervy so we just need to master this knockout stage of the Champions League with each game that we can or could win that helps us in our in our confidence basically of knowing that okay we can win these knockout games because right now we, we just don't have that experience we don't have that experience of winning big knockout games we even in the fa cup and league cup we seem to get knocked out really really yeah. early in in rounds so i think yeah. we just gotta take each leg uh, <coughs> i'm really stupid but i can't think about any other team we can prove 
ourselves that we can win a knockout game. True. I think it's a good tie for us. I think we, you know, we, I mean, it's a decent tie. Um, it's good that we got the away game first. I think we should go there, go full blast, try and um, get maybe two or three and maybe put the tie to bed out there, so to speak, so it come back and, um, you know, we, we're not under too much pressure. But like you say, Femi, we've not been – Arsenal have always been a good cup team until – I know we, went, we won the FA Cup under Mikel Arteta. But since then, we, we keep on getting knocked out of these cups where Arsenal would normally go to the back end or even to the final of, of these cup competitions. We haven't had a good record for the last two or three seasons, have we? So you're right what you're saying. Um, cup competitions, the knockout stage, um, we do need to um, prove a point there. And, just and hopefully at, we can do it. Just look at Hotel, their record. I mean, they've pretty much every big game that they've played this season, they've lost. <laughs> so they've got a quite a good league record. They've only lost three games, but anytime they come up against Benfica, Sporting, they've lost. Barcelona, they've lost. And every every other game, they just win. Oh yeah. So it it must be something to do with. That's what I mean. It, it, the way that we set up, a lot of teams will find it really difficult against us. But I think they they yeah we should yeah we should be all right. I think. Well, I just hope they come out to play football against us because I think you know we we got and we, we proved it against the Premier League teams, and obviously the Premier League is probably the, the toughest in, in, you know, maybe world football overall. Um, so if you come out and, and you know, you, you don't play the anti-football game against us and we do have a game of basketball, so to speak, I think we, sh- we should be able to overcome these teams. Well, ask, ask PSV. We're looking at that. Ask PSV, Jeff. Um, yeah. PSV. Yeah. <laughs> They've won every single. Oh no, they've drawn two now. I was, I was before the, they drew with Ajax at the weekend. Oh, there you go. They've yeah. won eighteen out of twenty games in their league. The only game that they've lost this season was when we absolutely smashed them at the Emirates because they they showed us <laughs> no respect. <laughs> but looking at FC Porto, there, Jeff, you can see played twenty games, scored thirty three, conceded fifteen. Now, that's roughly every game two one. Um, then they don't look like the kind of team that are going to come and play football. I mean, to have only conceded 13 goals, mm. um, I mean, two, two to about 1.7. So they're, they're not going to be very good. I'm going to go and have a look at there. If I click on that, it will bring up their um, their recent... Fi- Actually, I'll have a look at their... Um, uh, does it let me have... No, it doesn't let me look at the Champions League games on their own. Or maybe if I go fixtures... And then, oh, here we go. Oh, can do Champions League. Yeah, Champions League um, this season. They beat Shakhtar Donetsk. Is that this season? September, it is indeed. Oh, must have been in the group stage. Beat Shakhtar Donetsk 3-1 yeah. at their place. Lost 1-0 at home to Barcelona. Went to Royal Antwerp in Belgium. Smashed them 4-1. Beat them 2-0 in the return leg. Um, Barcelona beat them 2-1 at the new Camp or Camp Nou. And then Porto beat Shakhtar Donetsk 5-3. So it seems to be... Their cup games, their Champions League games, Jeff, there's plenty of goals, mm. but their domestic games, there doesn't seem to be that many goals. So it does mm. make you think that um, that there are uh, going to be goals in this game. And if there's goals in the game, that means they're going to be open. And if they're open, that means the Arsenal are going to take them to tea, doesn't it? True. You can see they've scored plenty of goals. 
So yeah. hopefully they do. They're open if they play open against us. But you know these managers nowadays. Who's in charge of Porto now? Any idea? Um, Anyone that we know? Hold on, if I go there, see if I can find it. Porto. Does it say the manager? No, I think you have to go to a game. And if you mm. click on a game, it might say the manager's name. Um, uh, Sergio Paolo Macrandario da Conceo. Never heard okay. of him. <laughs> that rings a bell, the surname. <laughs> yeah. I've got bell. no idea those Portuguese names. It's the, it's the yeah. sporting manager that is the one that's making waves, isn't he? He's the one that everyone wants. Um, I think he's been linked with Liverpool. Um, he's the one that beat beat us. Uh, was it last season they knocked us out? Yeah, I think it was, I mean, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, Sporting, yeah. Sporting beat us last season. Yeah, he's... I said we didn't have much luck against um, Porto last time. It wasn't Porto. Um, it was... Sporting. Uh, yeah, Sporting. sporting. Yeah. yeah so I'm just going to go and have a look and have a look and see who their manager is. Um, Porto, they got it under FC or no? Just Porto. And see if there's a manager that we've ever heard of because they do tend to have uh, some decent managers. Here he is, Sergio Canseo. He's uh, 49 years old. He's managed Nantes for a couple of years. Victoria Guamez, I think we played in the Champions, I mean, in the Europa League, Sporting Braga, Academia, and then uh, a couple of other ones. 56 games for Portugal as a winger. I mean, as a yeah. player, he was at Lazio, Parma, Inter Milan, Lazio, Porta, Standard Liège. Yeah, yeah. So he's been about a bit. Um, I wanted to go and uh, actually, I'm going to stop sharing the screen. I'm going to ask you to a uh, yeah, stop screen. Right. Uh, we said that the last game that we played Porto, we beat them five 0 I'm just going back and back. I want you two to guess the five goal scores. So um, it was on uh, the 9th of March, two thousand and ten. I know um, one for sure. Oh, go on then. Uh, Nicholas Bentner scored a hat-trick, didn't he? Ah, oh, you've, you've got he? it. Jeff, <laughs> he did. Jeff, can you <laughs> name one of the other? I don't uh, know. Our, our, our very own Ellis Mill might say that's the only reason he goes to football is to see one of these goal scorers. <laughs> he says it all the time. He even says it in his bio, I think. Don't know. Theo Walcott, was he playing at them stage? No. No, 2010? No, maybe not. No, I don't Cesc? know, Dan, I can't remember. No, not Nasri. Nasri was one of them, but that's not why. It's that saying, isn't it? So they're um, only here to see. Only here no? to see. Anybody? Yeah. <laughs> oh, people, somebody in the chat <laughs> must know what it is. It's uh, People say, really, I'm only here to see. Uh, <laughs> it's a player. <laughs> now, Danielson didn't score. Boy, 10. I'm only here to see a boo <laughs> oh. He scored? <laughs> yeah, he scored. 66th minute. I'll line up that day, Jeff. Don't cry. Manuel Amunia in goal. Centre backs of Amarlan and Campbell. Full backs, Clichy and Sanya. Up until I started podcasting, I always called him Sagna. And then uh, up front, we had... Oh, this was the days, remember, when they had a, a run of games of it. Arshavin and Bentner played together, and they were brilliant. So Bentner up front, Arshavin on the left, and Rosicki on the right with a set of a midfield trio of Song, Diaby and Nasri. That's some Song, decent players Diaby there. and Nasri. And Abue, oh, yeah, Danielson and Walcott were subs who came on. 
Uh, I bet. I and bet. Van Persie was probably injured, wasn't he? As usual. Injured, of well, course. Yeah. The subs were Fabianski, <laughs> Silvestri, Traore, Walcott, and Eduardo didn't come on, and uh, and on the bench as the substitute goalkeeper for for them was a black called Nuno, and I was getting excited then, thinking it was Nuno who is the goalkeeper and the manager of uh, Not Wolves now. Anyway, moving on from that, uh, what other things did I want to talk about? Um, Yes, yeah, so how far do you think we can get in? If you had to sum it up in a in one in one sentence, Femi, how far do you think we're going to get in the Champions League? I think semi-final. I just don't see us. Oh, that Wembley, that Wembley. Tra- I want to go to Wembley to watch Arsenal in the Champions League. Um, oh, Jeff will sort you out. <laughs> two grand. <It's, laughs> you know if you're what? lucky. Be more yeah. than two grand, I bet. You know what it is? <laughs> if we can avoid this is going to sound really strange, but a team like Inter or Atletico, that those two teams are weirdly troublesome yeah. because they yeah. play the type of football that I would not. They play like the type of football we come up against in the Premier League, but an elite version of it. Defensive, very fast on the break, Atletico and Inter Milan. Inter are rubbish. I watched them at the weekend. They're my team. Well, you, they're they're terrible. They're rubbish, but they did oh, control Juventus. They did. They could have. Bayern Munich yeah. are not great, but they have a lot of firepower. Same with Real They've got a one-man Real team. Madrid. Real Madrid have a lot of firepower as well and yeah. good midfielders. But apart That's the from only that, team that worries me, apart from City. You know who what, who wins that Napoli looking... and Barcelona? Well, this is... Oh, Napoli are done, aren't they? They're rubbish now. Yeah, Napoli are pretty dreadful at the moment. Your Barcelona ain't that much better, are they? No, they're not. <laughs> That's oh, the problem. Yeah. They're both rubbish. But they, so they we got Barcelona. Young, they signed that young Brazilian who seems to have made them a little bit better the last few weeks. So we're going Barcelona, yeah. Paris, yeah, yeah. Atleti. Yes. Um. I think, no, I think I'm going to go with Inter. Inter. They'll, they'll, yeah. they'll just they'll beat them into submission with boring football. Yeah. <laughs> um, Pierre Dortmund are an absolute mess at the moment. So PSV are going to probably get through there. Um, then Bayern and City and Real Madrid. Mm. Yeah. So, you know, honestly, the only team that, that, that uh, I'd really be scared of there would be Man City. Yeah, I said that in our pre-season um, thing. I said, if we can <coughs> avoid Man City in the final, then we're... Uh, that boy, 10, says we're probably getting into the semi-finals at least. Uh, uh, Paul says, Femi, I have confidence. Uh, I, I, wouldn't, we... I wouldn't want to play Real Madrid. <laughs> no. They've got so much pedigree in that competition, no matter how they're playing. Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, I'm in the final. Atletico play Chelsea ball, detestable team. Um, Adil says elite low block Atletico. Hello, Adil. If you're new here, um, what are you? What are you watching on Twitter? Oh, nice. Uh, Phil says, isn't there usually a general sale of some tickets early doors? Um, and then Boyce no. says, maybe I'm a hipster, but a Victor Rockway not impressed me. Yamal was way ahead of him for a while. Jeff, how's this, the ticket situation for Wembley? Have they have they got bonds there? Have those bonds started to change hands yet? Or how's it looking for tickets for, for your average fan? Are they going to get absolutely milked? You know, no, yeah, definitely. For I mean, if, if Arsenal get to Wembley, uh, well, I remember the Paris game. The that was making three grand each, 
outside the stadium on the day. Yeah. Um, so that, that Wembley game would be unbelievable because Arsenal, I think they only get maybe 25,000. I think the teams only get 25,000 each. Then a lot of it goes to the corporates and the UEFA. They just, and, and in each team gets an allocation of tickets all the way, you know, the teams that have, you know, got further and further into the competition. Mm. So it's going to be, it's not fair, really. They should, they should bust it up where we get at least 35 or 40,000 each and the, and the rest goes to the UEFA and everything else. But, you know, it's, it's a shame, but um, if we do get 90, there. 90,000 stadium, for God's sake. Yeah, all the season ticket holders won't get a ticket. No, it will, it will, they'll do it in, in, drops won't they so it'll be people that have been to european away games yep. probably get first dip yep or just yep. trickle down maybe seven and a half k maybe to season ticket holders and it'll go to a yep. ballot yep correct jeff without giving away any of your trade secrets working in corporate hospitality of yep. those so you say 50 are going to go to the clubs and then another 40 is going to go to other things. Of those other 40, how many of those uh, are, are sold on because the people don't really want to go, but they're still getting free tickets? Is it a large proportion? Yeah, of course it is. Yeah, it's just it's money, isn't it, Dan? You know, these, these you know, all um, confederations get tickets, like Football Association and everything else. They'll, they'll get Did tickets they to go? give away. No, of course they don't. They they make their way onto the black market, don't they? Or, you know, there'll be companies that'll be bidding massive money, uh, you know, because they want their clients to get in. It's it's the, it's a big event, especially especially Wembley Stadium. It's one mm. of the most famous football stadiums in the world. Uh, the biggest club um, cup competition in Europe, maybe the world, is it, the Champions League. Uh, and they're just going to make big, big money. And unfortunately, yeah, there's going to be a lot of people losing out. And you have, yes. you have these Club Wembley, Club Wembley tickets as well. Yeah, are, they'll get they'll get sold on, mate. Yeah, won't they? You know, <laughs> they'll get sold, get sold on. on. I think there's like quite a few of those as well. You can those guys have their tickets. Um, listen, we've got a little bit of time left. Uh, people, if you've got any questions, put them in the chat. We've got two from Phil. We've got um, one and a half from Paul Nell talking about the World Cup. So, got any questions, put them in the chat. Um, Jeff, how do we feel about the uh, the bullshit rumours about Arteta leaving? He's not going anywhere. He's probably going to sign a new contract. But yeah. the Liverpool and the Barcelona jobs, who, who would you put your money on going there? Because... Last night, Bayer-Leverkusen, Lube- <coughs> after about 40 minutes, were 1-0 down in the German Cup, come back to win it 3-2. So, Alonso there, this season, 30 games, 26 wins, 4 draws, 0 losses. Do you see yeah. somebody like that getting either of those jobs? Because he played for Real Madrid, Liverpool and and a German side. What do you see happening? I do think it's a poison chalice, that first, whoever goes yeah. in that first. is You know, Arsenal found it that way. Man United have found it that way. Um, I just think it's going to be really difficult to someone to to, to go in there unless they're going to play a very very similar way. Xavi Alonso, I don't know what style of football he, he plays. I'm not. He doesn't play the sim- He doesn't play a similar way to to Klopp. Is he, <laughs> is he <laughs> defensive? Oh. And he he Wing also up front. 
Yeah, and he also plays quite more um, steady Eddie football, yeah. controlled yeah. Spanish type football, rather than that sort of up and that um, crazy yeah. heavy metal style football. Yeah, so there's going to be a, you know, it's going to be, I, th- I think he's nailed on for the job though, really. He's, he's got to be the first one in line, isn't he? I'm not sure um, who else has been put in the frame for it yet, as yet. Derby's number two. And then, um, yeah, I like, like I said, I like the sporting managers, sporting managers, number three choice as well. I forgot his name. It's a big job though, isn't it? It's a huge job that Liverpool. I mean, Xavi Alonso has only been a manager for... Um, uh, so, yeah, Real Sociedad B, he was manager for three years. But Bayer Leverkusen only took it in October 22. So he's only been manager for 67 games. You couldn't surely let him go and and play, um, manage, manage Barcelona or Liverpool off that. He's played, started at Real Sociedad. He had five years there. And then he had five years at Liverpool. And then he had six years at Real Madrid. And then three years at Bayern Munich. I mean, and then plus, how many games did he play for... For Spain, did he play a lot? He um, played 114 games, 16 goals for Spain. So he is—he's almost had like a perfect career, hasn't he? And he's having a magnificent career as a as a manager. But I can't see—you'd uh, be mad to give, like you were saying, Jeff. The whoever took over from Arsene Wenger, Poison Chalice, Alex Ferguson, Poison Chalice, and back in the days, Bob Paisley and uh, and Kenny Dalglish. I think it's Graham Souness that took over from Dalglish, or or was it them? Um, um, Roy Roy Evans or something like that. It never turns out well, does it? Well, it's just such a big club. Same as what Arsenal when you know when when Unai turned up. You know, great pedigree, great in Europe. He'd done a great job at the, the clubs. Valencia was he? I think he won the league with them and uh, didn't have a good time in Paris. But I think it was other things that was going on at the time. But and he's proved now at Villa. He's a de- he's a he's a decent manager. You know, he is. Yeah, I don't know whether I'd call him elite, but he's he's still one of the. He's definitely one of the. He's proved this year he's one of the one of the top managers. The way he's got Villa, he's got a tune out of them, and you know he failed at Arsenal. You know because of the, it was such a big job, and I think the same is mm. going to occur with Liverpool. So, what we're doing at the moment. And and Mikel, I'm sure he, he he can see it. He can see it opening up. Uh, Pep's not going to be there forever. Hopefully, mm. he's gonna he's gonna want to go off and do something else. Um, it'll be interesting to see what happens when in 115 charges, whatever happens with that. Whether that's going to make a difference to, I think we'll be old and grey by then. Yeah, older well, whether, and grey he's be, whether he's going to be, whether his name be painted amongst all that nonsense that's gone on, maybe uh, that's clearly get out. gone on. Maybe yeah, that's what I mean. It all comes so, up. So our youngsters, that twenty-four-year-old youngsters, they'll be twenty-six, twenty-seven, coming into their peak by then. Oh, uh, we might have secured a, a top striker. I think Mikel is just waiting for that gap to open up. Uh, Klopp's gone now. So I think they might be, you know, in trouble for a couple of three years, hopefully. Uh, so we can we can slip in there and maybe take over, I'm hoping. Hmm. You say that just as I take a mouthful of Warmbury. Oh. Oh, Femi can fill in for you, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, do we talk about... Um, 
do we talk about party, Femi? Because Rudy has brought it up. Do you think party will be sold next summer? Well, uh, this summer we'll only have one year left on his contract. So one year from now, he'll be able to talk to teams outside the Premier League to go on a free transfer. What do you think is going to happen? Do you want me to say something controversial? Oh, here we go. Not the Ramsdale, not leaving anymore. <laughs> I told you, you that, that one. <laughs> not go jeans, on but... Ruin football I th- for me. I think he's going to leave on a free transfer. I think they're going to come to a mutual agreement where he signs with another club, but we don't get a transfer fee for him. Because I don't see why a team would want to play a transfer fee for Thomas Party. Number fit. Mm. Number two, he's probably on high high enough wages that you know he'll probably still want the same wages. It's not like he's he's just probably turning just thirty pretty soon, and we're, we've just not shown the ruthlessness to get transfer fees for players. So I think he'll he'll get moved to another team, but it will be sort of with no fee for us. And we won't have to pay up the rest of his contract. I think that's probably what you're looking at with Thomas Party. I think there'll be a ten or fifteen million pound fee, and he'll end up in Saudi. Oh, oh! That's, um, that's the only place I could see still paying for him <laughs> if he wants to go there. But like I just said in the chat, a few players are just trashing the league. But who knows? Some players yeah, that want to wind down might find it all right there but a few of the younger players that have gone there are are just saying bad things about their experience there which obviously gets around around players doesn't it It gets around other players shall i show you the latest google i love a google sheet the latest one i'm working on and you can you can see that boys and girls mums and dads cats and dogs every single player that um that oh i've done the wrong thing i've done a uh get rid of that there you go. Every single player that Arteta has bought or loaned, not sold, and then I've got doing where they've gotten from, how much did it cost? Like here, um, Cedric Suarez, Southampton on loan, five million quid, and then wages are sixty five thousand a week. And then when he when he actually signed for us, his wage, we end up paying him seventy five because he's at sixty five at, uh, at Southampton. Then we sold him. How much profit and loss, and how many games they actually played? So. Um, uh, Pablo Mari costs us four and a half million on loan. His wages at um, Flamingo are 16 grand a week. I don't know how much we paid when we had him on loan. And we got three games out of him for that. And then we paid 6.9 million to secure his transfer, 85 grand a week. And then he played 19 games because uh, every 10 games he played was another million pound. So that's why he was stuck on 19 games for ages. And then we sent him out on loan. Um, I am going to try and incorporate into this. Uh, a formula, like you see, I've got all my little my little formulas going on all over the place, including the formula, how much money we got from them on loan. But then I won't be able to do how much wages we paid because trying to find out whether a player went on loan and we paid all of his wages. But then look at them, then all the players that left, and then I'm going to have that uh, because it's looking like it's quite often. Because someone said on the last podcast, I think it might have been Deke, said that he's made a list of all the players that we've bought and only three or four of them that Arteta has bought have turned out to be decent players. So, mm. yeah, wish me luck with that. Anybody got any, well, anything to say on that? I don't know if it's that three or four, but the alarming thing in there is the selling part of it is is still very scary because those, those chickens are going to come home to roost soon because... You, Eventually, as you were seeing with teams like Everton and what happened in January, 
Mm. If you don't sell players, you you won't be able to buy players now. That that's the way yeah. that that's why they're going to the table, aren't they? Apparently tomorrow to try and scrap this uh, profit and sustainability thing and try and turn it into turnover, like they do yeah. with Europe, which will actually favour a team like Arsenal. You know, because then you don't have to worry about how much you sell players for. You just have to worry about what your turnover is every year, and you can spend a certain percentage of it. So seventy percent, I think it is in the in that UEFA have. You can spend it on players and wages, but as long as it's profit, we have to start selling players. And the Cronkies are not stupid. They've been funding this for a while. Eventually, a Martinelli or a Saka will have to be sold for a hundred, hundred million to fund new players. So we just got to be careful with the amount of free transfers and scrapping contracts that we do. Yeah, good point. The only problem with that is, though, Jeff, that if at the moment it's almost putting us on a fair playing level field with the rest of the European teams because they are not going to vote for something that isn't going to help them because this has really curtailed our the whole Premier League's transfer spending in the, the January transfer window. So European teams are thinking, OK, they've not nicked all of our best players, all of our best young players. But then we get so much money from TV rights that if they do come in, like Finn was saying, and it's how much profit you make a season or, or, or based on that, then it, 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 the British for English football is just going to destroy the rest of Europe because they're going to go, well, you, you look in Spain, they don't have um, parity of um, TV revenue. They, they do it individually. And Real Madrid and Barcelona get all the money and all the other teams in there will get bugger all each year. And the same in Italy, it's a mess over there. The same in France, they, where they had that big deal and the big deal fell apart. And it's just going to be more dominance for English teams buying everyone's players because we're going to, they're going to go, oh, if it's done on percentage of your, um, do you say 70% for me you're allowed to spend of your profits? 70% of your turnover, yeah. Then that means that's going to be so unfair for the rest of Europe, isn't it? And should, should we worry about that? Because I know back in the day, Barcelona, Real Madrid and Italy in the 80s, they didn't give a shit about us, did they? Well, Barcelona are going to be in trouble sooner or later because of their the misdemeanors has gone on in there for I don't know I don't, I don't want to blaspheme them too much but I think they're they're in trouble in in their own uh, country but uh, I mean we might turn into that superpower that that we was promised we would maybe five or six or seven years ago because of it you know so because we have got a big turnover and if we start winning cups and trophies we'll get bigger sponsorship and it just bigger, blossoms yeah. from there all yeah. we need is yeah. clock to go pet to go and then at that 70 percent of um of turnover i've already forgot what you said for me if that happens then arsenal are going to go on and win everything just like man city did for maybe but, well years. arsenal are yeah. literally a sleeping giant yeah you know we are a sleeping giant at the moment and if we could win a league title mm. then we could we can crack on from there and it'll be all we can fund ourselves. And if they yeah. can, if they can get, get around the, the Man City and the Chelsea business, obviously Chelsea are uh, struggling at the moment. You can see what's happened to them. Um, and hopefully it'll be, it's a, it's a level playing field. Then we can, you know, we can, I think we'll have a right good chance. We're going to make right, an absolute killing this year, by the way, on TV rights. Because last year, I think they, they released it. We were second only to Man City. And now, we, you know, with the Champions League TV rights, we're going to make an absolute killing of money this year. Um, mm. And 
One thing that I will say before you go on to questions, at some point, Arsenal and the Cronkies are going to have to look at this multi-club um, system because yes. it's not being stopped. And the UEFA president is more encouraging it than anything. And if we just saw what Man City did this week, with so that a player getting that a player from Girona, yeah, who was from uh, a team yeah. that they own in France as well. He didn't play a game for the team in France. He got yeah. parked in Girona, and now he's going to Man City. So the the obvious thing is the destination was always to send him to Man City, but they basically used it's basically like a loan system, isn't it? City. It's not like yeah. they're negotiating with themselves, are they? <laughs> you know, it, yeah. we, we have to get smart with that because that seems to be the way that football is going. I think the Premier League are on it, though. They've noticed what's going on. And I think the day, I think they're just about to put some kind of rule in that you you can't, uh, you can only have so many players to. from one of your teams. They tried to, yeah, they tried. They tried well, to do that, it, didn't they? And then the clubs voted it down. If, you've, if you're unaware of this, people, it's uh, Man City, which are owned by the City Football Group. They own 100% of Melbourne City in Australia. They own 65% of Mumbai City in India, 80% of New York City in MLS, 100% of Montevideo uh, City talk, um, TORQ talk. And I think, where's Montevideo? Is that in Mexico? Possibly somewhere in South America, if not Mexico. And they own Troyes in France, 100%. Lommel in Belgium, 99%. Girona in Spain that have come from absolutely nowhere and are now fighting for the title, 47%. Uh, Sinchuan Jinuji in, I think that's probably China, 46%. Yokohama, Marinos in Japan, 20%. Palermo, my Italian team, little Italian team, 94.9%. And Bahia in Brazil, 90%. And they're just going to go around club to club to club and then and do stuff like that. And like you were saying, Femi, it's uh, something needs to be done about it because it's a uh, you can just. I mean, we all laughed at at Watford a few years ago when they the owners owned um, Granada and they owned Udinese, and players would go from one to the other and then get loaned to Watford in the Championship. They ended up having about twenty five players on loan from those two clubs. Mm. Um, and it's just an absolute joke. And you because, know, uh, Man City just bought a player from Girona. What's the link with Pep Guardiola and Girona? He's brothers, the chairman of, of Girona. You know, all, oh, all this stuff man. is just really weird, isn't it? It's 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 quite weird. This this stuff that they allowed to. That it was never allowed in football before. All of a sudden, you know, it's just like a norm. Yeah, he's brothers. Well, they're finding ways to just bend the rules, aren't they? They're very clever. They're very, very clever. They've got the money, haven't they? They've got the lawyers and the money. Yeah, I'm trying to find who this player was that um, they've bought from Girona looking at this season. Players out. Um, One of the best players in the league of this season. No, it doesn't, it doesn't say. Yeah. So the only one that... Oh, here we go. Jan, yeah, no, that's not it. Jan Couto, Brazilian. Oh, is it Savio? Yeah, that's the yep. one. Savio, 19-year-old forward. He went from Atletico Mineiro to their French team, Troyes, and he went on loan to PSV twice, and then he's on loan at Girona. And then, uh, yeah, he said like he's going to be... He only went there for six million from the City group. Oh, it's good that they're putting it in there. Uh, Atletico announced an agreement with the City Football Group for the transfer of Savio. I mean, when you're doing deals with the, t- the company that owns all the clubs, rather than Man City or Troy's or whatever club it is, when it says in here, the C- did a deal with City Football Group, you know you're in trouble. <laughs> 
That is that's worrying. Right, questions. Uh, Phil Macker is more of a point. He says, uh, did anyone see Mash of the Day shamelessly sucking up to Liverpool playing highlights and clips package of Liverpool's goals and Klopp's best moments against us before they showed the game highlights? Absolute scum. Uh, Phil's question is, do you agree that Trossard has not had enough praise for his brilliant goal? And if City or Liverpool had scored, then the media would have been creaming themselves, Jeff. But... I'd take that back a step and go the ball from uh, Gabriel at left back across the entire of the pitch to the feet of Trossard. That, not enough has been made about that as well. What do you think? Um, oh, wait, one minute. So, do you agree Trossard had another praise for his brilliant goal? You know what? He's got that in his locker, isn't he, Trossard, to be honest with you. He's a, he's, he looks like he's, he's one that comes off the, off the bench and, and does a grand job. Um, I think he's a quality player as well. And that is exactly what you need. You need someone that can you can do that, come on and give you a bit of energy. I mean, um, I honestly thought he was going to the corner flag. I think there was only maybe four or five mm. minutes to go or something. I, I thought he was heading to the... And I was actually saying, no, go, just keep, just keep the ball. Keep the ball. Get to the corner flag, turn around, try and get a corner or something like that. But um, when it opened up, I don't know what Van Dyke was doing. His defensive work there was just amazing. He obviously didn't realise that Trossard has done that before. He's good with his left foot as, as well. So, but it was a, it was a fantastic goal, and you know uh, he, he got. He's, I think he's, he's he's got enough praise off the Arsenal fans. Uh, everyone else, I don't know. I don't know. Well, but, uh, it was brilliant. It was brilliant. Um, right, next question. I'm just looking at something else coming up. Um, Paul Nell says, uh, Femi, for, for the England fans, what cities are you going to in North America for the group stages? The USA team is stuck in Seattle and Los Angeles. Portland is for Mexico. Have you two got any thoughts going to the World Cup? I don't think that will be known yet because... Uh, USA, I uh, know what group they're in because they're um, group A1, won't they? Or whatever A1 is because they're the hosts. Yeah. Um, and I'm guessing Mexico uh, Mexico and Canada will know which groups they're in, but we haven't even started World Cup qualifying yet, have we? Well, they've got <laughs> they've got some on on Wikipedia. It says um, USA's first game is at the SoFi Stadium, which is in LA, and their second game is going to be at the Lumen Field in Seattle, and their third game is going to be back in LA. Meanwhile, the first game for Canada is going to be in Toronto. The first game for Mexico is going to be in Mexico City. So the three home sides... Yeah, they all know their draw, yeah. We, we, we haven't even started qualifying yet in Europe. Mm. So we definitely won't know. But yeah, I, I plan to go. I mean, I go to America once a year, so I'll just plan it around the World Cup. Why not? But the, the stadiums that they're going to be using is Kansas City, Dallas, New York, New Jersey, Mexico City, Houston, Atlanta, LA, Philadelphia, Seattle, San Francisco, Boston, Miami, Toronto, Guadalajara, Monterey and Vancouver. Where would you like England to uh, win? I'm presuming. Are you going to go to any games, Jeff, do you think? Probably, yeah. Where would you like I'd England probably... to be based? I'd say Miami. Ah. Yeah, I would have thought Miami would be great. It would be great, wouldn't it? You know, you could go and stay with Magic Mike. <laughs> yeah, use his swimming pool. <laughs> Bless yeah, 
Right, so uh, I don't know anybody who's going to go. These two are going to try and work away there because these two are the most uh, travelled of a- most people of ABW. Most of the rest of us, I mean, I'm not, I've only left the house once in the last month, and that was just to go to Cambridge, and that was a disaster. Um, so get rid of that and get rid of that. Uh, Travis Saw has got a question, Jeff. Who is the player? Who is the closest player to being considered a legend in the Emirates era? And what's your requirements to be considered a legend? Oh, that's a good question. Oh. Um, That'd be in the Emirates era, though. There's plenty to choose. I mean, can you pick someone like? I don't think you can pick Henri because he, although he did come back and play at the Emirates, he wasn't at his peak at the Emirates. God, um, that's a tough one because we haven't had it all our own way at the Emirates, have we? To be not had much luck. There's been more tears than champagne. Uh, Which ones are you thinking of? I mean, Sesk jumps to, to mind, doesn't yeah. it? He's yes, yes. Van Persie. A lot of people. I don't know. Van Persie. No, Van Persie. He's, he's crossing him out of the list, mate. I'd, I'd scratch him out completely. Van Persie. <laughs> yeah. Boy, ten says Walcott. <laughs> probably no. Probably probably would be for me. Uh, it would probably be Sesk overall. Sesk. I mean, I know he took a lot of stick because he went back to Barcelona, but Cosciani's uh, got, got a chance. No. You don't I mean, think Cos got a chance? Top ten ever. Oh, Terrible. Well, that's because we've had a lot of great centre-backs. <laughs> that's like Arsenal's saying Almunia will be one of our ten best goalkeepers because we haven't had ten <laughs> good ones. <laughs> no, we've had a lot of great centre-backs at Arsenal, to be fair, um, throughout this. Boy says not Sask. Liam says Lord Bentner. Uh, <laughs> Nosa says the big fucking German and Paul is uh, an Everton fan we like Everton I have a friend of mine who's an Everton fan so is his dad they're from Liverpool um, comes on here every now and then says I'm a Scouser Everton fan though most LFC fans are not I mean do we actually know any Liverpool fans who are from Liverpool because all the ones I see around they've all got um, uh, Essex accents in fact, we've got a bloke who lives in my village and he's called he's a Liverpool fan. He's called 2.5 Game Dan. He's been to see Liverpool once and Peterborough one and a half times and he's 50. So that's your average Liverpool fan for you. So, yeah, you're right there, Paul. Um, are you two come to a, a, a conclusion? I'm going to say Saka. Has he got to be a player? Saka is not. Well, who else are you going to pick? Arsene Wenger. Oh, <laughs> I don't know. Let's, let's, let's go and have a look. Uh, Liam says Santi as well. Um, so the question oh, was... Santi, mate. Santi, yeah. yeah, what a player in. It's got, it's got to be a player. Got to be a player, yeah. I don't know. Jesus Christ. Is it? Is Van Persie off? Who's our third highest goal scorer? Oh, of all time? Van, Van, all, yeah. all competitions? Oh, no, no, no. This is... this. I don't know what record this is. Because Cliff Baston, so no, it's not, it's not Van Persie. I'm just trying to see who scored 100 goals in the Emirates era, and it's just the most number of goals ever is uh, Henri with 228, and then it's um, uh, Wright with 185, Cliff Baston 178, Radford 149, Jimmy Brain 139, 139, Ted Drake. Van Persie is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, ninth. With 132. So he did score over 100 goals. So yeah. they can say to Walcott and Bergkamp. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Walcott scored. But he was, but I'm just looking at the Emirates era. Bergkamp yeah. wasn't in the Emirates era, like you said. So it's just no. Walcott and Van Persie scored Van over Percy 100 goals. Van Persie had six six years in the Emirates era, era. 2004 to 2012. Most of the early years he was injured. 
232 yeah. total goals, Van Persie. That's pretty impressive, to be honest with you. It is. That's why I say yeah. Van Persie. <laughs> but he's an arsehole, so fuck him. <laughs> Even now, he doesn't stop being an arsehole. Um, what are we going to go for, then? I'm going to go for... Um, I'm going to go for Saka, although I should say Sesk because he was magnificent. But, you know, you shit on the Arsenal, you're dead to me. Ramsey is a good shout. Are you going to go shout, for Femi? You know, Ram- Sesk Ramsey. won, but Ramsey's a good shout because of the FA Cup goals, FA Cup final goals. What are you going to go for, Jeff? Yeah, I'm going to go for Sesk. World-class player. Yeah. Lovely. Um, one final question from Leon. One word answer from the pair of you. If you could have another Ian Wright or Henri, who would you have, Jeff? Oh, I'd have Henri, mate. Unbelievable. Guy was just on his own. Um, Don't but, even need to ask me. <laughs> but part of that question is he's going to leave uh, uh, towards the end of the peak of his career or he's going to stay for, for the uh, for best part of his career. There you go. Does that change it at all? Because Wrighty stayed to the almost the very end, and Henri fucked off as soon as he could make a fortune. Out of I, I love Wrighty, mate. Uh, you know, if we, if we could, we could, we could have a Wrighty in our team right now, mate. We'd, yeah. we'd, we'd oh. win the league for sure. I'm going. But, I'm going uh, Ian Wright just out of loyalty because I don't like Henri because he's shit on us. So you two are going Henri, and I'm going Wrighty. Mm. Right, that's it, people. We have done two minutes under the hour and a half. We said we weren't going to do. Uh, Jeff, thank you very much. Lovely to see your first podcast of 2024. Your very first podcast was 2012. 12 years of podcasting, Jeff, and what have you got out of it? Oh, I've got love. I've got love from you, Danny. And then, <laughs> you know what I mean? And I've got love for you. So, uh, yeah, oh. another couple of weeks. Try and get yeah. me back in a couple of weeks. Uh, I'll try and know, do one a month or something. When I try to get hold of Jeff, I put Jeff, Jeff, Jeff on Twitter, Jeff, 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 Twitter DM, and Jeff, Jeff, Jeff on WhatsApp. And one way or the other, he eventually reads them and says, yes. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, Jeff, thank you for being on tonight. You've been absolutely lovely as always. God bless you. Thanks for having me, Dan. Yeah. And good to see you, Femi. God bless you, sir. Good show. Thank you, guys. And Femi, lovely to have you back on again, even though your internet has been a little bit choppy in and out, a little bit wobbly. My bad. It's it's not good, is it? It it won't do. But at least you turned up. (laughs) At least I haven't put you on guard and leave like the rest of us. I'll turn the video off next time. No, don't do that. What if there's any ladies watching? (laughs) You'll ruin the show for them. There they won't be watching. They'll turn it off. (laughs) <laughs> anyway thank you to jeff and to femi and thank you to everybody who watched if you are there's been a few new people watching tonight which is lovely to see so if you are new um they always say can you consider subscribing don't consider just bloody do it and give it a thumbs up and like i always say if you work for a company like for like yahoo or amazon or microsoft go and put a link to the podcast stick it in an email and cc everybody at the company's database there you go. We might get past 7,000 subscribers who have been stuck on for about five years. We will be back on a Saturday, Saturday night, uh, Sunday a.m. for a preview show. Usually me and Stan, we like to do that so our North American viewers can get, get some, some live action. Then it'll be me and Deke. Um, I thought the game was a four o'clock kickoff on Sunday. It's not. It's a two o'clock. So I'm not, I have to double check with Deke that he's available. If not, it'll be me and somebody else doing the post-game show probably about seven o'clock that night. So I can don't have to get up too early. You know what my life is like. And that's it. So uh, thank you very much. And goodbye. Here's Steve and Dave with some wise words. And we miss them a lot, don't we, Jeff? We do indeed. 
God bless them. Yeah. As soon as I scored that goal, I was fucking livid. Get down, dog. Splendid business. He nearly caught the bloody thing. What are you talking about? <laughs> so I've just eaten a full quiche. Well, you don't often see them at him. So when you see them in the supermarket, they need to be swagged, microwaved immediately, and get the brown sauce on them and bosh, Bob's your uncle. Never in doubt. <laughs>